0: Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on The Wittenberg Door. Friday morning, everyone. This is Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and we're glad you joined us today for The Wittenberg Door. With me, as always, is Lee Hall. Lee, I'm going to get you adjusted here. How are you doing, Lee? And Scott Spears is flying this plane today, so thank you, Scott, for being with us. Um... Last night was was Ascension Thursday. Now I don't know how many people in general are, are familiar with the church calendar. It's a kind of a different thing for most people. Um, but in in the liturgical calendar, which m- many churches, the uh, ma- majority of Christians, uh, uh, you know, uh, adhere to, uh, there is. Uh, of the major events of the life of Jesus. I mean, there's uh, all kinds of Saints' Days and everything else that goes along with it, but uh, especially the the uh, celebrations that uh, accompany the major events in Jesus' life. Okay, so, uh, for instance, Christmas, which almost all Christians celebrate, is the birth of Jesus. Um, New Year's Day, by the way, which people think of as purely kind of a secular holiday, is actually, in the church calendar, it's the circumcision of Jesus. Jesus was born a Jew, and eight days after he was born, he was circumcised. So you have the circumcision of Jesus eight days after. Uh, You have Epiphany that happens on uh, January 6th, 12 days after Christmas, and that's why uh, it's termed the 12 days of Christmas, but Epiphany is what is called Gentile Christmas. It's the day when the Magi came to visit the newborn king. Uh, and then you have 40 days after the, after Christmas is a, is a holiday that's uh, celebrated. Um, uh, it is uh, the purification of Mary, and, and the reason we celebrate this is this is when Jesus was brought to the temple, and he was presented uh, for the first time as every newborn Jew was required to be uh, presented before God and um, 40 days afterwards when the mother was purified she came brought the baby to the temple and this is when Jesus was uh, received by a guy named Simeon who says that Jesus is a light to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel when when Simeon receives Jesus and that's a, so that's a, a It's a celebration that we refer to in the church calendar as Candle Mass. And it's the day when the church blesses all their candles. Uh, And then, then of course, is Good Friday, which is the day that, uh, you know, maybe Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. Good Friday is the day that uh, Jesus was crucified and buried. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, which most Christians celebrate, is the day that Jesus rose from the dead, or commemorates the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So uh, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, now uh, the, the, uh, the New Testament tells us that Jesus presented himself alive to the apostles for a period of 40 days after his resurrection. And so we've been in this, uh, this season of Easter now for 40 days, and last night our church celebrated uh, the ascension of our Lord. And that is the day that Jesus took his disciples out to uh, uh, the Mount of Olives and before their eyes, uh, just as Elijah did before the eyes of Elisha, uh, Jesus was uh, taken up in a cloud and uh, we're told he sat down at the right hand of God. He was received into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And uh, of course, there's a lot of theological importance to that, to that event. Um, uh, first, let me say about the church calendar and why we celebrate all these things is because these things are all central to our faith. We confess them in the creed that Jesus was incarnate, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, we say in the Apostles' Creed. And many Christians, many Christians say those things over and over again. So these. These saving events of the life of Jesus are very important to us as Christians. They're things that, um, you know, uh, the psalmist will often say things like, uh, you know, I will remember your deeds of old. And, and this is kind of what the church calendar helps us to do in a disciplined way. You know, when when we would kind of be inclined to remember some things and then eventually forget them, the church calendar reminds us of these very important Uh, events in the life of Jesus. So why was the ascension of Jesus important? You know, people understand the birth of Jesus, important. He has to become man so that he can live the perfect life for us and go to the cross and suffer and die for us. They understand Good Friday, uh, the day of the atonement when Jesus suffered for the sins of the world. They understand Easter, and its importance: Jesus rose from the dead, presented himself alive. He's conquered death. He's conquered sin. He's a living Savior who lives to save all who call upon him. But what is the what is the importance of uh, the ascension of Jesus? And my friends, this is really this is really what uh, struck me as I read from the gospel. Uh, in preparation for that service. Um, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And uh, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. These are Jesus' last words to his apostles on the, at, at the ascension. And, um, and I got to thinking, you know, every time a ruler takes power, Every time a ruler takes power, there are consequences, right? When Augustus Caesar took power over the Roman Empire in 36 BC, the consequences were it was the end of the Roman Republic, right? Any Star Wars fan will relate to this because that's what Star Wars is really all about. It's a kind of a rehearsal of what happens to the Roman Empire, what, how the Roman Empire comes about, right? It, it means the end of the Republic. Now, it also brought the Pax Romana, the, what was called the Roman Peace, Augustus Caesar. Um, uh, you know, there was order, that's for sure. But that order came at the expense of liberty and freedom for many people. Um, when Constantine, uh, the emperor in the, uh, in the early 4th century, took power, he declared Christianity uh, a legal religion, and before Christianity had been had been what the what the Romans called a religio lis, illicita, an illegal religion, and you could be punished. It was a, a to to stubbornly persist in the confession that Jesus is Lord was considered a capital crime in those years. For three hundred years in the Roman Empire, it was considered a capital crime. So, there were consequences when Constantine took power and he declared Christianity a legal religion. And um, so, you have, you know, th- so it made a difference. Uh, when uh, William the Conqueror conquered Saxony and Britain, when he conquered England, uh, there were consequences. Uh, the native people, the Saxons and the Britons, uh, they became second class citizens. Uh, the language of that island, changed by, uh, and the customs of that island changed when William the Conqueror took, took power, right? So there are always, you know, we could even say in our own time, think about our own context, when uh, President Obama took power in 2009, there were consequences, right? Uh, we, uh, a national health care program that uh, didn't exist before, some people welcomed it, some people uh, didn't welcome it. But there were consequences to that, to that uh, election and, and to taking power there. And it's gonna happen again uh, next year, next January, when a new president takes power. There's gonna be consequences. They're gonna have an agenda. They're gonna do something. The country will be different. It won't be what it was before. And, uh, and that's because when somebody takes power, there are consequences to that. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means Christ assumed all authority in heaven and on earth, and he became the ruler, Right? We sing it in the joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Uh, He he rules over... He rules the earth with peace and love. Right? How does that go? Uh, The hymn. Well, what are the consequences of the ascension of Jesus? When Jesus sits down at the right hand of God, meaning, uh, by the way, that's not a geographical statement. Uh, That's a... um, How do I put this? It's a... uh, uh, a statement of position of is a position of authority, not a position of geography, right? When you're somebody's right hand man, what does that mean, Lee?
1: They're seated at his right hand. They're they're his uh, best man. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're the go-to helper. guy, yeah. right?
0: And and usually that person has authority, acting on behalf of the person who's right hand man. Well, this when it, when it's, when we say Jesus sits at the right hand of God. We don't mean that, you know, the Hubble telescope will one day kind of come across the throne room and we'll see God sitting there and Jesus there in his right hand. It means that Jesus has assumed the authority of God for us, right? And so what now does Jesus do as the ruler of heaven and earth? He tells us, he tells his apostles, go and preach the gospel to all creation Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So we might say that the consequences of Jesus' ascension, the fact that he has taken power, means that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And that's wonderful news. That's good news. You know, he says in Luke, Jesus says, um, uh, that repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed in his name. Forgiveness is to be proclaimed in the name of Jesus. Because now that he has uh, uh, become man, lived the perfect life for us, suffered and died for us, rose again for us, and now he sits at the right hand of God and, and is able to save everyone who calls on him, he, he sends out the church to be this agent of his goodness. Christ sends the Church so that the church in the world can be the place where men come and receive mercy and receive god's kindness and and uh, be inheritors of the promises that God makes to us right and what is the church all about? The church is about forgiveness of sins uh, you know in our service especially we we emphasize this by by actually having confession and absolution at the beginning of our We all confess our sins, and we all receive this absolution. That comes not from the pastor. It comes through the pastor's lips, but it comes from Christ, sitting at the right hand of God, forgiving sins. And and He speaks this into people's ears so that they'll hear it and believe it. Whenever a baby is brought to the waters of baptism, or whenever any, uh, anybody, is brought to the waters of baptism. What is happening? Somebody is receiving God's kindness. Their sins are being washed away. They're forgiven. They're free. They're uh, they're made new in the waters of baptism. When we uh, come to, come to the uh, altar, and we receive the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness for the forgiveness of sins, here again. Uh, the church is acting as an agent of Christ who sits at God's right hand to distribute everything that Christ has won for them on the cross. And so the ascension of Jesus is a wonderful thing. It's it's really it should be, you know, that we, we always think about Christmas, think about Easter. These are like the big holidays. But the ascension of Jesus is a big holiday, it's a big deal. It should be celebrated. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the, other, the other events we make a big deal out of, they should all be made a big deal out of. It gives us the opportunity, by the way. It gives us, th- these, this church calendar gives us the opportunity to do something we don't normally do. That is, intentionally set aside a time when we think about what Jesus has done for us. Now a pastor, a good pastor, is always going to kind of have these things rattling around in his head. You know, the ascension of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the, love, the death of Jesus, the, the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, they're, they're all kind of central to whatever we say, to our message. But there's something about being disciplined to set aside a certain time to say, this is when we're going to focus on this, and that's what we do. In the church calendar, that's what we did last night when the when the church gathered together to to celebrate the Ascension of Jesus, and uh, a wonderful time. And by the way, one of the things that uh, Mark says when he says Jesus was received up into heaven, and then he said, and the apostles went out and they preached the gospel, the Lord working with them, right? Hmm. And uh, and what Mark means to tell us there is that. Jesus sitting at the right hand of God does not mean that Jesus is absent from the church. One of the things that our Lord tells the apostles at the end of Matthew, he says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. He says in John, he tells them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, right? So the ascension of Jesus and his session at God's right hand doesn't mean that he's absent from us. But that he can now be with us in a way that um, is even, even more meaningful and even more powerful. When, uh, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, for instance, at Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and we believe, because Scripture tells us, that, that we receive in this supper the, the true body and the true blood of Jesus right? And uh, so now we're receiving this true body and true blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. But another church down the street or down the highway, in another town, in another state, in another country, somewhere on the different part of the globe, who's also celebrating the Lord's Supper, has Jesus also there with them, physically with them, in the celebration of the supper
1: as did the saints in earlier days as did the that are
0: that are gone now yeah we're we're communing with them yeah and and we're communing with them we're communing with Christ and we're communing in Christ so it's not like Jesus being at the right hand of God is is not with us anymore he's with us in, kind of even in a better way right and uh, until we see him physically now here's the other thing about ascension uh, is it's the last thing that happens before when Pentecost.
1: Yeah, the well, Holy Spirit
0: comes. Uh, we think about uh, that. That's right. By the way, and, and we will be selling, celebrating Pentecost uh, in ten days or nine days now, um, uh, a week from Sunday, it's Pentecost Sunday. But think about it in terms of the creed. You know, you have He was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Uh, he descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And then what what comes next? To judge. Yeah, from thence he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so really, we might say, <laughs> you know, uh, Pentecostal, or uh, um, what do we call, uh, dispensationalists, will often talk about a prophetic calendar you know, they'll talk about signs that have happened and how we're getting closer and closer to the coming of Jesus. Well, really, we're right there. And Jesus could come at any time, right? And he always could. For the last 2,000 years, he could have come at any time. But but the ascension of Jesus means that there's only one thing really left, and that's that's the second coming of Christ and, and the conclusion of this age and the inauguration of the new age, this kingdom of glory that we all hope for and expect as we turn to Christ and receive his goodness. okay well very good I, I wanted to talk about Ascension because it's such an important uh, such an important time in the church calendar. One of the things I forgot to mention at the beginning of the program I'll mention it now is that the Wittenberg door is a call-in program. And uh, so if you've been listening and you uh, it's spurred some thoughts, you got a question, you have a comment you'd like to make, uh, our number here is uh, 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. And uh, so we invite you to call and uh, pose your question or, or post your comment, and uh, we will be happy to take it on. Okay, very good. Uh, so, Lee. We have another Sunday coming up. Now, this uh, this Sunday, because it's still, we haven't quite made it to Pentecost yet, is the last Sunday after Easter, or the last Sunday in Easter, I should say. And uh, what are our lessons this Sunday coming up? Uh, we have Ezekiel and First Peter and John. So why don't we start with Ezekiel, and if you'll read that for me.
1: All right. This is Ezekiel 36, beginning at uh, verse 22 through 28. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when you, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And this is the word of the Lord.
0: And thanks be to God. Okay. Very good. Now, uh, this is wonderful, by the way, this is a wonderful text. Um, Lee, where, where are the people of Israel now as Ezekiel is speaking this to them? Uh,
1: well, the people of Israel are in... Assyria,
0: yeah, but the people of Judah and, are, Well, yeah, 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 right. Are in Babylon. Uh, they're they're in Babylon. They're in different different parts of the of the empire. Probably they probably weren't all brought to the city. But they've been scattered. They've been scattered, and all over. They've been scattered all over the place. And why, why aren't the people living in their own land?
1: Uh, because as as God tells us through Ezekiel, they. Profaned his name among the nations.
0: Yeah. Uh, Profaning God's name is is usually what we think of as the second commandment. You shall shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Right? And uh, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not um, uh, curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Right? And what the children of Israel did... Uh, the two nations, actually, Israel and Judah, uh, what they did was they turned from the one true God and they began to worship the gods of the peoples that surrounded them and the, the peoples that were interspersed in them, uh, the gods of the Canaanites and Baal and the Asherah. And they exchanged the one true God for for these false idols. And, uh, and God's judgment fell on them. In 722 BC, Samaria was destroyed, and and uh, Sennacherib uh, deported the people of Israel to Assyria, uh, to Nineveh, with the great cities of uh, Assyria, and uh, and then in uh, 605 BC, and um, and 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Judah and the Southern Kingdom, and deported. The people there, and God made very clear God made clear through Isaiah uh, through Jeremiah, and now here through Ezekiel, that the reason this happened was because they they suffered god 's punishment for their unfaithfulness for their for their blasphemy of god 's name because they weren 't calling upon the name of the true God, but they were uh, but they were worshiping other gods. They were breaking the first and second commandments. You know, uh, folks, uh, the first and second commandments are very dear to God. God's name is very important to Him. We see it here. We see it here that uh, He intends to vindicate His name, uh, where they had profaned it, and where they had, uh, uh, where they had made God's name. Like any other common god, you know, God was uh, the nations. Con- the nations considered the God of Israel no different than Baal or Asherah or any of the any of the other gods of the nations. That he was just another one. And in fact, that was said by Sennacherib to Judah before Sennacherib fell. He said, "What what nation has been able to? Re- what God has been able to save their people?" Right. Mm-hmm. And um, back in the time of Hezekiah, and so so when Israel was defeated, it was it was not just a blow to Israel, but it was a it was a profaning of God's name because they were God's people, and so God God says, "I'm going to act, and I'm going to vindicate my name in your midst, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to gather you from all these nations, and I'm going to bring you back to your own land, not because of you, but because of me." Because I care about my name, and folks, this is why we should be very we should be uh, very careful as Christians to observe the second commandment. Because God does care about His name, and we should too. And one of the things it means to to uh, to honor God's name is it means to treat God as God. To call upon him when when we need him. To praise him when he's good to us. To thank him for the things that he provides for us. And absent from that, we too are profaning God's name. So uh, so God, God calls us to a different... Now, <clears throat> he promises here in this text to take them out of the nations and to bring them back to his own land. And he says he's going to do something to them. And what does he say he's going to do to them? He says uh, in verse 25, what, what is that again, Lee? Okay, verse 25. You don't have verse numbers. Okay, well, here, I'll read it. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, by the way, we are all born sinners and, uh, and aliens from God and his kingdom. We're born the sinful children of Adam, and that's our na- that's our that's our condition coming into the world. We're born with a heart of stone. We're born dead in sin. So what God does for us in baptism is he brings us to the font and he sprinkles as he says here in Ezekiel, he sprinkles this clean water on us and he cleanses us from our sin. And he removes the heart of stone, and he gives us a heart of flesh. Uh, um, Jesus said to uh, uh, Nicodemus, he said, um, uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Uh, Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is telling Nicodemus there in John chapter 3 Ezekiel is promising here in here in our text that he's he's uh, he's pointing ahead to baptism where God's people are washed and where where uh, God's people are given his spirit and and faith and they believe and they desire to do God's will they desire to honor God's name and um and this is the wonderful gift we have in baptism. So when Jesus says, for instance, at the Ascension, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, it's all, it's all connected. It's all part of the same thing that God makes promises about. The Wonder,
1: wonderful thing here is this is all God acting. On our behalf. Yeah. There's nothing here that says, you will do this and I yeah, will do that. Yeah, that's right.
0: I- if you do this, I will do this, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not that. It's cause and effect is, is from God. Yeah, God's the, the cause. the effect is on us. And
0: the effect is on us. That's right. What do we call that, by the way, when it's God who does the work and God and me? Oh, monergistic. Monergism, that's right. Uh, synergism is when God and man work together to save man. And monergism is when God works alone to save man.
1: Yeah, there are there are some false teachings that basically yeah. that there's some inkling of good in us. Right. We're supposed to contribute that inkling of good. That's right. But yeah. that is exactly out of phase with this with yeah. what God says in Ezekiel. You
0: wouldn't you wouldn't see it in Ezekiel, would you? there it's God who works alone for the sake of his name to vindicate his name and the effect is that we receive all these wonderful gifts from God.
1: Yeah, Which is uh, what Paul says in Ephesians about uh, this being a gift from God. Yeah. Lest any man boast.
0: Amen. Amen. Okay, well let's go on to the epistle lesson and why don't you you read that for us. This is 1
1: Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 14. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality one to another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it and serve one another as good stewards of God's various, varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be, be, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And this is the word of
0: the Lord. Thanks be to God. That, that is just wonderful. Uh, by the way, Peter is reminding us now, and this is great for after the ascension of Jesus. Peter's reminding us that, hey, we're getting to the end of the creed here. We're getting to the end of the second article. There ain't much time left here.
1: 11.59 and 59 seconds yeah. on the yeah. clock. And
0: so he says... Um, the end of all things at hand. Therefore, be sober, be self-controlled, and sober-minded. Right? Self-controlled. You know, uh, look, folks, our our baptism into Christ. And when God brings us, He washes us. He gives us His Holy Spirit. Means that to walk in that baptism uh, to, means to walk in a disciplined and self-controlled way. To uh, to walk in a way that honors God's name, and and to and to live in a way that uh, promotes the glory of God. And so this is, what, this is what Peter is calling us to here in this text. He's telling us, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of prayers. Look how important, by the way, look how important prayer is in, in the life of the Christian. Uh, and, and again, we're coming back to the second commandment. Uh, the the use the right use the the glory glorified use of God's name how do we glorify God's name well we glorify God's name by praying praising and thanking and and uh, calling upon him in trouble and uh, love one another earnestly that is look uh, you're gonna do things to me lee that I don't like I'm gonna do things to you that that you don't like and how do we how do we uh how do we uh, live with each other in that condition well love covers a multitude of sins so love one another and uh, and one of the things that uh, that people who love do is they uh, often ignore the bad things that we see in each other isn't that true if you love somebody you know think about a mother
1: love is blind
0: yeah think about a mother loving her children right and often, and, and this is often carried to the extreme, that they don't see anything wrong in their children, right? And uh, why is that? Because, because the love is, is natural. And, and Peter is calling us to this. Now, this is, this is in a, in a self controlled and disciplined kind of way that we need to remember that, that uh, to love somebody means to forgive them, to not look at their faults. And even not look at the offenses that they offer to you, right? So when somebody insults you, do you insult them back? No, you, you. What does Jesus say? Return a, a blessing for an insult, right? How often, by the way, don't do we not do that, right? Well, I'm
1: just actually thinking of people who cut in front of me when I'm driving down the road. Yeah, I don't have uh, very charitable thoughts towards them. Yeah. But this is what Christ is calling us to do. That's
0: what he's calling us to do. That's right. And so, uh, you know, w- w- when we blow it, of course, we remember our baptism. We remember the washing that Jesus administers to us in the baptism. And we turn and we try to do better. But um, uh, but here, now, at the end of this is, is really important. And I think uh, this, this may take the rest of the broadcast. We may not get to the gospel lesson because I think I think we need to to mention this these last few verses of this epistle lesson are very important for us right now he says beloved I'm going to read it again if you don't mind me sure. beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you now what is it what do you think he means by a fiery trial well
1: uncomfortable um, tormentive i, I, I yeah, I think, uh, I think he's actually predicting what, what's going to happen
0: in Rome. Yeah, he, he's, he's talking about persecution, isn't he? Yeah. As though something strange were happening to you. In other words, hey, look, folks, for Christians, persecution is not a strange thing. It's something that we should expect. It's, a, it's almost a kind of a natural element that happens in life. Oh, are we? Hello? Oh, hello. We got a call. Okay. Hello. Caller. Hello? This is, yep, you're on the air.
2: Is this Brett Cornelius?
0: Yes, it is. Hey, hello. Hello. Nice to... I'm good. so
2: glad you're talking about what you're talking about.
0: Oh, good. Okay.
2: Okay. Uh, does perfect love cast out fear? Question. Yeah. Does it? Does... does I have a very bad fear problem because I'm very... First of all, Jesus brings you down to lift you up. I believe.
0: Yeah.
2: And he sure shot me down as hard as he can. (laughs) Oh. And I think. What do you mean? What do you mean he he shot you down? Right. What
0: What do you mean he shot you down? Can you tell me? I mean, you know, I don't want you to get. I broke my back
2: and now I've twisted my knee. Oh
0: boy. I can't stand up. I Have the nurses'
2: aides helping me. Oh, boy. And I'm in a wheelchair, and the doctor says I'm dying of congestive heart failure.
0: Oh.
2: Everybody's highly alarmed. I'm not afraid. Uh-huh. Because even though I walk through the valley
0: of uh, the, the shadow, shadow of, of death. death. Right. You fear no evil.
2: I fear no evil. Yeah. And uh,
0: thou art with me, thy rod and my staff may so comfort much. me. That's right. Yes.
2: And I think if you love your neighbors yourself, and just, I'm not worried. That doesn't really scare me, but I don't want to leave on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know. Well, th- th- that's the thing, you know, uh, uh, and I didn't get your name caller, that's okay.
2: My name's Kathy. Kathy,
0: that's why I, I thought it was Kathy. We, You've called before, haven't you? Yes, I
2: have in okay. the past. Okay,
0: yeah. And Kathy, you know, for Christians... We don't fear death in the same way. Like we don't fear the we don't fear that God is angry with us and that He's going to punish us. Uh, But we do. But death is still kind of an unknown for us. And and one of the things that is very sad about death is it it does take us from our loved ones. And so I don't
2: want them to be crying over my coffin. Right.
0: Right. I
2: don't want that. Well, because I know that would happen.
0: It'll happen. Yes, it will. It would happen. Yeah.
2: And I don't want to see that happen right now. My birthday's this month. I don't. They have birthday surprises for me and you know, everything.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I'd least like to get through that. Yeah. And I probably live to be 98,
0: okay? Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> so I'll let you go. Uh, well, no, that's... Uh... I want to hear your comments on this. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, you're welcome, Kathy, and thanks for calling. Well, Kathy, and, and for other callers that might be experiencing these kind of difficulties too, you know, this is something we all have to face, whether we're Christian or not, uh, because we live in a world that has been contaminated by sin, that has been ruined by sin. And although Christ saves us from the consequences of sin, that is, a death and hell, uh, we still, as children of Adam, share in the... Um, uh, like Jesus, we will, until Jesus comes, we will all uh, embrace the grave. We will all, all fill the grave, right? And and, and 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 we we're comforted by the fact that Jesus has already been there and that he's conquered it. And we know that we don't need to fear the grave because the grave has become for us as Christians, it's just become a little bed for us where we're going to lay down and take a nap. And, uh, and Christ will awaken us, and we will live, and we will be in a glorious kingdom where there aren't any broken backs or broken ankles and heart failure, where the bodies that have been destroyed by sin and destroyed by, by Adam's fall uh, are, are, are going to be restored and are going to be uh, perfected. And, uh, and we have all that to look forward to. Uh, but we also have the sadness of of leaving our loved ones, and I think that's what Kathy's struggling with most. Mostly is this this tremendous sadness. Well, uh, Kathy, we I understand that sadness. I have I had a I had heart surgery by the way last September, and uh, it it kind of put me in touch with my own mortality. And uh, uh, now I. I love my kids. I don't want to leave my kids. I want to make sure they're going to be okay before I leave. I know someday I'm going to leave and I won't have any choice about it. Um, but Kathy, isn't it wonderful to know that uh, that we don't need to fear death because our, our great captain, our great shepherd has already been there and he has conquered it. He has taken the sting of death away. You know, what is the sting of death but Sin. Because death brings hell, right? And so he's taken that sting of death away by by his suffering on the cross, so that when we when we go, Kathy, uh, your spirit will be ushered into the presence of God, and you will see something wonderful and beautiful, something that you don't yet have the capacity to see. And 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 Kathy, you said at the beginning of your call that sometimes God puts you down, so that He can lift you up. And uh, Kathy, whether it's soon, and I hope I pray that God extends your life for the longest time possible. I pray that you get to experience your birthday, and that you get to experience many more birthdays. But if that doesn't happen, and if uh, and if you go and and you uh, you sleep in Christ, uh, just know that you, your sleep will be a, a beautiful sleep and a wonderful sleep. You will be with Christ and you will be comforted by him and he is going to wipe away every tear from your eye. And, uh, and, then, and then he has promised that, that uh, at his coming, he will call you from the grave and you will be restored completely. And, uh, and you will experience the kingdom of God forever. Well, folks, um, uh, thank you, Kathy, for calling. And, and uh, folks, we're glad that you tuned in today. We hope that uh, you'll tune again next week when we return with the Wittenberg Door. I um, want to remind you that if you don't have a church home, Gethsemane Lutheran Church meets uh, at 219 East Church Street beside Rocky's Bicycle Shop. Our services are Saturday at 4.30 p.m., and Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and worship with us. Uh, thank you guys, Scott and Lee, for being with me today. And uh, folks, we ha- pray you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday. And Michaels, Marianne, what, 30 years in Marion City Schools? Yes. Did you ever think you'd live to see the day? No,
2: no. I mean, it's it, that was atrocious. I think absolutely horrible.